Good evening, good evening, good evening. Come on in, find a seat. Good to have you all here. It was a beautiful Sunday afternoon the Lord gave to us. The temperatures are more moderate, which is what we're supposed to have right now, so it's all right. Uh, that'll work just fine. Let's see. If you're visiting for the first time, if you stop by the Welcome Center, if you're visiting online for the first time, cue uh, in that uh, QR code and let us know that you're out there. That would be fantastic. We'd love to have record of those things. Children's ministry training is next Sunday afternoon, right after the morning service. There will be a lunch, and following lunch is the training. If you're involved in children's ministry or would like to be involved in children's ministry, please be there during that time, and that would be a blessing. Pie and praise. Oh, they've got a praise and pie. I can learn how to say it that way. Praise is probably more important than the pie. I will agree. So praise and pie service is Tuesday. These are Tuesday services, 11 o'clock and 7 o'clock on that Tuesday before Thanksgiving. If you show up on Wednesday, no one will be here. I guess it'll give you more pie to eat, perhaps. I don't know. Less, actually, because you won't have everybody else's pie to share. You don't have to bring pie. You can bring something else for us to munch on. We don't care. We'll just help you eat. So, uh, But we're going to do just that. We're going to eat and share testimonies of praise to our God. Uh, blankets for the nursing home ministry. Uh, they're looking for at least 50 blankets. I don't know how many they've gotten, but you keep bringing them in. They just... When, when it comes back and it's empty, you don't think, oh, nobody's been bringing them in, but don't think, oh, they've got all that they need. Uh, so if the box is still there, they still need more, uh, and it's really just to us to be a blessing to those folks. And then Christmas in Wanamaker, uh, the table underneath the mirror out there. Obviously, the other tables are for the, uh, for the uh, veterans stuff, but the table, I can see it from here under the mirror. That's where the sign-up is for Christmas in Wanamaker. We need workers to help uh, get bags and things ready coming up. This is all coming up pretty quickly. Uh, then we uh, need um, some help at the actual event. Uh, so if you can help us out in the parade or help us out in the booth or both, you should be able to do both if you want to. Uh, it's always a great opportunity. Just talk to people about Jesus. It's really it's just a great opportunity, and uh, we want to invite you to come out and be a part of it. Our missionaries of the week are the Rollins, and the ministry is Baptist Church Planting Ministries, and they've been uh, just planting churches throughout North America. Uh, and a little beyond, if you've followed much in their uh, prayer letters, they're, they're, they're not limited to North America. That's just where their primary thing is because their emphasis is, quite honestly, helping a church start a church. Okay, Not so much that they plant churches, but they help churches plant churches. And so it's just uh, an opportunity for them to uh, do that. So if you would just continue to pray for the Rollins, I know they would appreciate it. Let's have the men come. We're going to take up the uh, evening offering. We're down just a little bit tonight. It is a holiday weekend, but uh, we're glad to have you all here anyway. Good crowd this morning. It was always exciting to have that. Brother Chuck, would you ask God's blessing on the offering, on the Rollins, and upon our service tonight, please? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we again we thank you for the opportunity to be together tonight to worship and praise you. I pray that you'll be with this offering as we take it to further this ministry and even to support the missionaries around the world. Thank you for the Rollins and uh, Baptist Church Planning Ministry. Continue to to bless them as they start churches and are involved with helping churches. Again, we praise you for the blessings we've seen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And how I live to proclaim it, the first song for this evening. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child forever I am. 
Two people pointing. Chad Carter had a birthday. Chad got outed. When was your birthday, Chad? Friday. Friday, not Monday. Okay. And how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? 44. 44 years. Okay. That's two of our deacons. Wow. Brother Chuck. I had a birthday yesterday and she had an anniversary on Thursdays. Wow. <laughs> a birthday yesterday and she had an anniversary on Thursday. Right. Okay. So first of all, how many years was it? Anniversary. Four years. Congratulations. Is that right? Four years? He's got it? Okay. He's not slipping that much yet then. All right. And how long have you known the Lord your Savior, Brother Chuck? Fifty-five. years. Amen. So we'll find out the secret, the four years of marital bliss in just a moment. Anybody else? Birthdays or anniversaries? Jonathan? <laughs> How many years? Can you tell me? It is a long time. So, Marines out there, how many years is it? 248 years. If you're going to bring it up, you've got to know the details, man. <laughs> Anybody else? All right, Brother Chuck, what's four years of marital bliss? Miss Beth, go ahead. Whoever's going to go first. Four years of marital bliss. <laughs> I know she's thinking, I didn't sign up for this, so two of those years have been uh, whew, a whirlwind, that's for sure. So Brother Chuck is feeling better, praise the Lord, somewhat. So, Brother Chuck? Well, Ruth chapter 1, Ruth says, Whither thou go, I will go, and whither thou dwellest, I will dwell. And I couldn't turn her down, when she's willing to wither with me. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. They're withering together. Nobody else? Let's sing Happy Birthversary to these young folks. Happy Birthversary to you. Happy Birthversary to you. Happy Birthversary. God bless you. Happy Birthversary to you.
If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. Psalm 92, a psalm or song for the Sabbath day. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered, but my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies, and my ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. May the Lord sanctify us through his word. You may be seated. All right, next we'll sing, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word, just to rest upon His promise, just to know the sick of Thank you. 
Because this really would be an appropriate song to sing at a marriage. I am his and he is mine and the bride. And it makes me blush to think of the relationship between me and God as a marriage. But I am part of the church. And Christ does say that the church is his bride. And he loves us that way. He wants us to lean on him and trust in him. Like a wife does with a husband, right? It's a very interesting thing to think about. All right, let's sing the next song. Let's stand. We'll sing our hymn of the month by faith. By faith we see the hand of God in the light of creation's grand design. In the light.
Many years ago, in a time of woe, three young men faced a bitter test. For the king decreed that they not be freed, but instead he had bound them fast. Because they would not bow the knee except to God on high. Into the flames with great disdain these men were thrown to die. But who would have thought, but who would have thought that the flames would set them free? And who would have thought, and who would have thought that they gained the victory? When with God our lots we cast, we'll have more than we could ask. We'll go walking through the flames with the Son of God. When this evil king had performed this thing, he sat down upon his throne. But when he took yet a second look, he cried out with astonished tone, did we not cast into the fire a group that numbered three? Now they're walking round as though unbound with a fourth like deity. But who would have thought, but who would have thought that the flames would set them free? And who would have thought, and who would have thought that they gain the victory? When with God our lot we cast, we'll have more than we could ask. We'll go walking through the flames with the Son of God. God has made it known to his very own tribulations they must bear. For this world is not any friend to God, in his cross we have a share. But when the hour of trial comes, and fire is all around, we'll find the place we're walking on is really holy ground. Then praise be to God, then praise be to God, that the flames will set us free. And praise be to God, and praise be to God, we shall gain the victory. When with God our lot we cast, we'll have more than we could ask. We'll go walking through the flames with the Son of God. When with God our lot we cast, we'll have more than we could ask. We'll go walking, 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 walking through the flames with the Son of God, with the Son of God. 
We're going to set up a couple of microphones down here on the floor, and we ask if you're going to share some things about a veteran that you come to the microphone so people can hear you. And uh, so I'm going to ask you to go ahead and just start moving forward if you want to do that. You can share about a family member, you can share about uh, yourself, whatever, or just share something about our country. If anybody wants to go first, I'm not going to give you a whole lot of time. Step right on up there. Thank you. All right, my Keep grandfather is uh, Paul James. He served in the Pacific. Um, my father has a ring that was made out of a Japanese plane that was shot down over there. And uh, it's very special to him. He wears it all the time in remembrance of uh, my grandfather and when he served. And my father also served in, in Vietnam for a short while on the, on the line, very close to the demilitarized zone. But uh, very thankful for everyone who has uh, served and appreciate your service. Amen. I come from a family of, uh, I'm the third generation. My granddad was a Marine um, before World War I. My dad served in the uh, Merchant Marine during World War II. And I served uh, during the Vietnam era, uh, as well as in Iraq, mind you, after I retired. <laughs> but I just can't get the military piece out of my, out of my life. Um, one of the things, however, that's uh, somewhat of a unique aspect to Navy life, Navy traditions, is singing. You've heard of the sea chanters and onboard ship, the old sailing ships they used to sing. That's how they actually got the work done and so forth. But in the chapel, where I served most of my time, um, at least the, the latter half of it, we have something that's called the Navy Hymn. And uh, I'm, I'm going to read some, some of the, the beginning information about it and then go through some stanzas. The interesting piece is, is that today there is somewhere between 16 and 20 stanzas. And I'm not going to read all of them, but you'll understand why, they be, why this becomes important from, for us in terms of the Navy tradition. The original words to the Navy hymn were written by uh, a schoolmaster and clergyman of the Church of England, the Reverend William Whiting, uh, and he resided on the English coast uh, near the sea and once survived a, a furious storm in the Mediterranean. His experience inspired him to pen the ode, Eternal Father's Song to Save, uh, Strong to Save, in 1860. <clears throat> the original three stanzas go like this, Eternal Father, Strong to Save, whose arm hath bound the restless wave, who bits this mighty ocean deep, its own appointed limits keep, O hear us when we cry to thee for those in peril on the sea. O Christ, whose voice the waters heard and hushed their raging at, his, at thy word, who walks on the foaming deep and, and, and calm amidst the rage didst sleep. O hear us when we cry, cry to thee for those in peril on the sea. Most Holy Spirit, thou didst brood upon the chaos dark and rude, and bid us angry tumult cease, and give for wild confusion peace. O hear us when we cry to thee for those in peril on the sea. Now, I don't know if you caught it, but the first stanza was to the, whole, to the Father, the second stanza was to, the, to Christ, and the third one was to the Holy Spirit. And to that has been added... Um, all these additional stanzas that are part of the American tradition when the American Navy brought this into our history, into our tradition. Lord, guard and guide the men who fly through the greatest spaces in the sky. Be with them always in the air, in darkening storms or uh, sunlight fair. 
Oh, hear us when we lift our prayer for those in peril in the air. Eternal Father, grant we pray to all Marines both night and day the courage, strength, and strength, the land to, their land to serve, their law fulfill. Be thou the shield forevermore for every peril to the core. Lord, stand behind, beside the men who build and give them courage, strength, and skill. O oh, grant them peace of heart and mind and comfort loved ones left behind. Lord, hear our, our prayers for all the sea beasts, where'er they be on land or sea. Lord, our power forevermore, whose arm doth reach the ocean floor. Dive with our men beneath the sea, traverse the depth protectively. O oh, hear us when we pray and keep them safe from peril in the deep. O oh, God, protect the women who in service faith in thee renew. O oh, guide devoted hands of skill and bless their work within thy will. Inspire their lives that they may be examples fair on love and sea. Creator Father, who dost show thy splendor in the ice and snow, bless those who toil in summer light through the cold Antarctic night. As they their, their frozen wonders learn, bless those who wait for their return. Eternal Father, King of birth, who didst create the heaven and earth and bids the planets and the sea their own appointed orbits run, O hear us when we seek thy, faith, thy grace for those who soar through outer space. Creator Father, who first breathed in us the life we received, by power and thy breath restore the ill and men and wounds of war. Bless those who give their healing care that life and laughter all may share. And then the one that's the favorite of all of us when we're deployed is this one. God, who does still the restless foam, protect the ones we love at home. Provide that, provide that they should always be, by thine own grace, safe and free. O Father, hear us when we pray for those we love so far away. Yes, sir. Um, my great-uncle Kent was a paratrooper. Uh, I will have something else to say, so. I had a reading comprehension page about CBs. <laughs> a paratrooper. Everything okay? Okay. Okay. So pray for uh, something's wrong with Brooks. So pray for Miss Hannah. Come on up, Jeffrey. Navy hymn. It's a beautiful song. Uh, my father-in-law was Paul Sharon, and he was a member of this church, and he was uh, his funeral service was here at this church. He had been a police officer for like 44 years, and but he was a a veteran of World War II, and uh, before he was deployed, they sent him and a number of his uh, company out to California to be stand-ins for a movie, G.I. Joe, about Ernie Pyle. And uh, we have a picture of a huge group of soldiers, and you can actually pick him out in that in that picture. So then they sent him, uh, and they were deployed to the uh, Pacific. And he was on a ship, and they were going to be part of the group that was going to land in Japan. And projections were that probably a lot of them wouldn't come back. But uh, a few weeks, maybe it was only a few days, 
before they were to land, uh, President Truman ordered the bombing of uh, Japan with the nuclear weapons. And so nobody had to go and get killed. So he was a great man. He was uh, like a father to me. And I miss him. There we go. Um, there are three men in my family that were in the military that I'm familiar with, I guess four. Both of my grandparents uh, served. My mom's dad was in World War I, uh, and he got gassed and had some problems the rest of his life as a result of that. But on my dad's side, uh, my grandfather and his brother were very prominent in the development of private aviation in the state of Wisconsin. But as a result of their aviation experience, my grandfather, who I never met, uh, he was killed when my dad was nine, was uh, stationed in California in airplane repair and basically airplane parts. So he worked to provide all of those aircraft parts for the World War II planes that took off out of California to go around the world. And my great uncle was one of those who actually flew those airplanes. Uh, and then they came back afterwards and developed private aviation in uh, Wisconsin, ending up in the aviation, Wisconsin Aviation Hall of Fame. But they're men. I think I met my great uncle maybe once. Uh, because he died in 1970, 1972, uh, and we were in Montana pretty much before that, so I never got to meet him. Uh, but just a reminder that not all of the guys left home. Some of them stood by the stuff in a military sense, and they were just as important. That's a biblical concept. You know that, right? So David's men, that's where that phrase comes from. David left some of the men to stay by the stuff, and the others then kind of mocked them. And David said, uh-uh, no, this is equally as important and, and created a, you know, a, an established way to honor those who stood by the stuff. And um, we use that as a phrase that people don't always understand. All right. We're in Psalm 51, or Psalm, sorry, Psalm 15. Anybody uh, go home and read Psalm 15? Okay, four of you. There you go. All right, so uh, Psalm 15, the short little psalm. Uh, this morning we're looking at being a soldier and how we can do that. So uh, Jason mentioned a ring. Have you guys ever noticed that I wear two wedding bands? Not, mo most people don't even notice it. It's really funny. Uh, so this is a wedding band. This is my wedding band. This is actually, uh, I wear this just in honor of my dad. Uh, I can't hardly get it off anymore, but if you could read it, it's, and it's getting less and less that you can read because I probably shouldn't wear it, but it used to be able to read 1935, I think you might still be able to read uh, Liberty, um, might be able to read United States of America, used to be able to read 50 cents, it's a 50 cent piece, and sitting in Germany one day waiting for, my dad got five bronze stars, I don't really know why, I just read them on his, on his things back there, I know that that means some things, he was, in Normandy and 
uh, Rhineland and Ardennes and Central Europe and uh, France. There's some places back there that's listed on his paper. But anyway, sitting in Germany one day, he took a 50 cent piece and he made it into this ring. And I can tell you how to do it. Dad showed me how to do it and I've uh, made a couple myself just for fun. But um, anyway, I just wear that in honor of my dad. So that's what it is. You can't use a modern day 50 cent piece. If you don't have one that's that's a silver one, if you don't have one that's like about 419 or something like that, it won't work. I'm just telling you. So don't go home and try to make one. It'll just break up on you. All right, so we're in Psalm 15. Psalm 15. Uh, and let's read verse 1, then we'll pray. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? And who shall dwell, shall dwell in thy holy hill? Father, help us, Lord, to uh, learn how to stay to learn how to be faithful, to learn how to stay so focused on you that uh, we shall not be moved. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Slip down, if you would, please, to the very last verse, and the very last line of the verse. And it says, He that doeth these things shall never be moved. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to be. I want to be that guy that's never moved. So in order to get to that point, we have to walk ourselves through the psalm. So let's just kind of walk through it. It says, first of all, uh, this concept of where we want to be is abiding in thy tabernacle. David said in Psalm 27, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David said, there's one thing. I, I say this all the time to, my, to the uh, class that I teach, anybody can multitask. Everybody multitasks. Some of you are so convinced you're good at multitasking that you're on your phone right now and pretending to be listening to the church service, right? Because I can multitask. Anybody can multitask. That means, that means nothing. Your grandmother multitasks. Your three-year-old multitasks. Uh, everybody, you know, all you have, it's like walking and chewing gum. If you get in the car, you drive, you're watching a mirror, you're watching a mirror, you're watching the road, you've got your hands on the wheel, you're adjusting the knob, you're talking to your neighbor, you're, you know, you're, everybody multitasks. You know what's hard? To do one thing. One thing, David says, if I desire the Lord. The Apostle Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth unto those things that are before, I press toward the mark, that one thing. But David, David's talking about that one thing right here. Who shall dwell or abide in thy tabernacle and dwell in thy holy hill. So what does that even mean? Help, talk to me for a moment. What does it mean to, to be there? Why, why does anybody want to abide in the tabernacle of God? One thing that David desired. Why? What's, what's the point? That's where God's presence is the strongest. Right? I, want, I want to be close to God. I'm aware that God is always with me. Right? I'm aware of that, but I want to be close to him. I don't want him just to be close to me. I want to be close to him. If I draw nigh unto him, he draws nigh unto me. And David said, there's just one thing I want to do. And it's the idea of just having the greatest of God's blessing, to, to know the center of God's will, all the things that come with it. That's where we start this process. And then David says, once I get there, he goes to verse 5 and says, I don't ever want to move. Right? I want to, I want to get to that point point. I want to stay there. Now look at verse 2. He's going to tell us how to get there. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh truth in his heart. Three things that he gives us in verse 2, right? To walk uprightly, 
to, Paul says it, to walk worthy of the Lord, right? To walk circumspectly, to walk uprightly, to do the things that I know I ought to do, to do the things that are right. Uh, you know, it always cracks me up when people come up and say, Pastor, I want to know what God's will is. I'm telling you, 99% of those people already know. They're trying to get out of doing God's will, and they're hoping that they can talk me into being the excuse they have of doing something else. You understand? It's not that hard to do God's will. We kind of know what it is. The Bible, for one, tells us pretty clearly. But most of us, the Holy Spirit living in us, the Word of God to teach us, the way we've been raised, we know what the right thing is. It's just that we would rather do something else. It's like, I'm just praying about it. You know, Pastor, I'm just really praying about what the Lord would have me to do. You know. I mean, hear me out. You may not know what the Lord wants you to do for the next 40 years, but you know what God wants you to do today. You know that, right? Obey your parents. Honor your spouse. Love your kids. Read the word, pray, worship, tell people about Jesus. Can I keep going? You know. I mean, we, we know what it is, but we want to make, make it this ambiguous thing. So Jesus, David's telling us real clearly, right? Just do the things that you know to do. Walk uprightly. Work righteousness. And then he goes on and says, speak truth in the heart. Uh, you know, uh, Peter puts it with this concept of unfeigned, that our faith is to be unfeigned, not pretended. Uh, we, we hurt ourselves desperately in our Baptist churches in the 1970s and 80s and 90s because we, we made Pharisees in our churches. They looked good. We made sure that they looked good, and we shamed them if they didn't. But the heart was hollow. It wasn't real. It wasn't genuine. And, and we paid for it. Uh, if, we, if we want to dwell where God is, we need to walk uprightly, work righteousness, and then do this from the heart, to speak the truth from our hearts. We, we've got to embrace this. Uh, remember uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, um, there's that verse about Moses, and it says, Moses, when he came to years, when he came to years, and then it goes through the things that Moses did, but you know, it says things like um, he, he thought uh, that the... the What's the word? The suffering for Christ was better than the, the riches of Egypt. Do you remember that line in there? When he came to years, there's a point at which this has got to be us, right? We can't, we can't be doing this for mom and dad anymore. We can't be doing this for our pastor. We can't be doing it because people expect it of us. It's got to be from the heart. And if it's not from the heart, we're never getting into that, to that uh, tabernacle. We're not knowing what it is to walk close to God if it's not from the heart. And so he's just trying to help tell us how to get there. And David says, I want to get there. And then once I get there, I want to stay. I I don't want to go backwards. Verse 3 says this. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up reproach against his neighbor. What is this person? That is the person who's going to abide in the tabernacle, who's going to dwell in God's holy hill. Walk uprightly, work righteousness, speak the truth in, in the heart. Don't backbite. Watch your tongue. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Every single Christian should memorize it. I've said this to you. Anybody do it? I can quote Ephesians 4, 29. 
How about if I help you get started? Maybe, maybe it'll help you out, all right? It says, let no corrupt, but that which is good to the use of edifying that may minister grace unto the hearers, right? We have got to bring this tongue under control. There is no way I'm abiding in the house of God when I'm talking about my neighbor, backbiting, gossiping, uh, whining, griping, and complaining. That doesn't work. No way when I'm whining, griping, and complaining about my wife am I living, dwelling on the holy hill. Do you see how this works? No way. It doesn't work this way. If we want to get there and stay there, there's some things we have to do. We have to do righteousness. We have to work. We have to you know, be true in our hearts. It's got to be real. And then we've got to bring our tongue under control. Uh, let's see. I'm going to read it because I can't quote it. I should be able to read, quote it for you. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 says this. For he that will love life and see good days. By the way, can I stop there? You want to love life and see good days, teenagers? Would you like to just have a life that you love to live? First of all, you ought to take my life. Not take it like kill me, but you could do that if that's what you want to do. But you ought to live the, my life. I, I am serious. I love my life. I get up every day saying, and I, I'm not making this up. I, I, I love doing what I do. It's just a joy. You folks make it a joy. God makes it a joy. My family, I just love it. I love my life. It's great. Here's what the Bible says. If you want to love life and see good days, would you like to see some good days? Do you believe that the best days are already behind you? Well, if that's what you believe, then you don't believe this verse. Because see good days is future. Do you want to love life and see good days? Do you believe that there's good days in your future? Here's what the Bible says. Listen to what it says. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Learn to control this tongue. That tongue, the Bible says, is a fire. An unruly fire. And it's, it is set on fire of hell. It is not a good... It, when we let our tongue go out of control, it messes everything up. The moment I start using my tongue the wrong way, I'm literally running from the temple of God saying, I don't want closeness to God. I don't want God's blessing. I don't want to know what it's like to be in the center of God's will. We're running away from the holy hill. Bring this tongue under control. It's an important step of the Christian life to control this tongue and doeth evil to his neighbor, doeth no, uh, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, and taketh no reproach against his neighbor. This is what God wants to bring us to. This is what it means to dwell. David said, one thing have I desired, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That would be just the greatest joy, to walk daily with the Lord. Verse 4 says, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. So this verse is like, I, I don't want to be involved in, in hurting other people, but instead I want to be honoring God. I want to fear the Lord. I want to, I, if, if, I, if other people honor me, I want it to be for this reason. He loves Jesus. Do you understand? I don't, want to, I don't want anybody to say, boy, John Ray did some great things. I want people to say, boy, God did some great things in John Ray's life. I, I, I'm not, it's not about you know, seeking out for our own glory, but to lift the Lord up. And, and when we begin to see the way God sees, 
and we begin to honor the Lord and to fear him. And, and this is the way we ought to begin to live our lives. That's going to hold us there. First uh, Peter says it this way, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. To be known for our good conversation in Christ, our good way of living, manner of living in Christ. Which brings us to verse 5 of, of Psalm uh, chapter 15. It says, He that putteth not his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. So there's a couple things that God adds to it. So look at all these things. He said, first of all, walk worthy, work righteousness, speak truth in the heart, watch your tongue, don't do bad things to your neighbor, honor God, fear the Lord. And then he says this, he that putteth not money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. What does that even mean? What does it mean to put money to usury? It doesn't mean to borrow money. To, to extract interest from other people, right? It's the idea is to take advantage of people in need. God, read the scripture carefully. God says, God has no problems with you charging interest for someone who wants a luxury, right? So some guy says, hey, I want to buy a yacht. Okay, well, I'll, don't, I'm just making this up because I can't loan you this money. But I'll loan you the $500,000 that you need to, borrow, you know, to buy the yacht, but you're going to pay 9% interest. Well, that's an exorbitant amount of interest, but hey, it's an exorbitant boat, right? So that's the way it works. You don't need it. But when somebody says, I, my child is going to die if they don't have this surgery, and the surgery is $100,000, and you say, well, I can give you the $100,000 at 25% interest. That's a problem. It's a problem in God's economy. It's a major problem. When we're taking advantage of people, when we start getting into that, and this is one of the problems in the United States of America, right? We are a greedy people, a greedy society. We've raised up greed in our society. And it's a problem for us. And we need to be careful that we don't... Because the moment we start slipping into that kind of mindset, we're leaving the temple, we're leaving the tabernacle, we're walking away from the holy hill. If we want to stay there, if we want to know God's blessings and see good days, if we want to enjoy the presence of God on a regular basis, we must walk worthy, walk righteously. We must do righteousness. We must be you know, careful to watch our tongue. And we, all those things that were listed out in this passage, we've got to get to this point. And the last one is that we don't take advantage of people. We don't take advantage. This gets really hard sometimes for our church, by the way. I'll just throw, throw this in there for you. People come by the church. This may surprise you. The people come by the church and ask for money, often. And sometimes they have a really good story to tell, and sometimes... It's not such a good story to tell. So one happened just recently. I think I shared it with you on Wednesday, if you were here on Wednesday. Uh, not, not last Wednesday, but a couple Wednesdays ago. But um, a lady called the church, and she had a story to tell. She was in need. Our view here at the church is, can we fix the problem? Or you know, just to throw money at somebody doesn't necessarily fix the problem. Can we fix the problem? And can we verify, right? Trust but verify. <laughs> So can we verify some things? So this lady uh, was saying that, you know, she was 
waiting for her payments due. She was living in this place, and the rent was due, and they were asking her to leave if she couldn't get it, get it in by... It's always, a, it's always a timetable, by noon tomorrow, uh, blah, blah, blah. And so here was my answer. Here's what we did, because you guys are gracious and allow me to do this. It was 500 bucks. It wasn't a small amount of money she needed. But I didn't say, give me a phone number. I said, give me your phone number. I'll call you back. And I hung up, and I looked up the number of the place where she said she was staying. Called, asked to speak to the manager, asked if she, they had ever heard of this person, and they had. Is this a true story? Is she going to be kicked out tomorrow if she doesn't have this money in? Yes, she is. See, I'm not talking to her anymore. I've verified this story. And so, you know, I called the lady back, and this, this is where you tie it to the gospel, right? Because we're not about, we're, we're not a bank, we're not a charity, we're a church. And so I talked to her about Jesus and talked to her, give her the gospel. She, honest, she was honest that she wasn't sure that she had ever trusted Christ but wasn't ready to make that decision. Okay, I can take honesty. Honesty doesn't bother me any. You know, okay, that's great. She did promise to come to church, which she hasn't done so thus far. I'm just letting you know. But, okay. So I get out my credit card and I paid $500 on her bill so that she had another week. She was supposed to have gotten her job. May have gotten taken for 500 bucks. I don't know. But you know what I know? I know that it's worth 500 bucks to stay on the holy hill. To stay close to God. That God's going to honor that position. And so I don't worry about the $500 so much as, you know, I, I counted this... Uh, if you come by asking me for 500 bucks, I'm probably going to tell you no. Just let you know. But, all right. but uh, you know, it, it, it's right where we are. You know, it's, it's like just trying to figure this out. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to get up every day and hope something. I want to know that I'm honoring God with my life and that the life that I'm living, God can and will bless. And so David says, after he makes this list, he comes to the end of this chapter and he says this, he that doeth these things shall, what's the word, never be moved. Do you believe the Bible or not? If I enter into God's presence and then live the life that he's called me to live and control my tongue and don't take advantage of people and it's the things that are listed here, if I do that, then can I expect tomorrow to wake up in the tabernacle of God? And to, if I continue to do that, will I go to bed tomorrow night on the holy hill of God? Absolutely. That person will never be moved. That's what we want to come to in, in 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. Remember, it goes through that, add to your faith virtue to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful. Verse 9 says that he that lacketh these things, is blind and cannot see it far off, hath forgotten he was purged from his old sins. But then verse 10, the great promise, says, I can't quote it, so I'll paraphrase it for you. If we add these things to our lives, like he's asked, we will never fall. That's what the Bible says. Never fall. 
living in God's presence is not, not hard to understand. It's just harder for us to do. Sometimes I want my tongue to say the wrong thing. I want to speak my mind. I feel like somebody deserves to hear it. You understand? And when I start doing that, I'm pulling myself off that holy hill. Doing it, I mean, understanding what to do is not hard. I know what I'm supposed to do. Have you ever been speaking something, and while you're speaking it, your mind is thinking, why are you saying this? Am I the only person that does that kind of crazy stuff? And you know you ought, you know you ought to just shut up, but you just can't seem to, and you feel yourself slipping away from the presence of God. You just, it is, it's happening. That's what's happening. But he that doeth these things will never fall, never fail, never be moved. Um, that reminds me of a song, and I'm, I'm done. Uh, it has nothing to do with this message, right? But you guys know the song, I Shall Not Be Moved, right? You know the sinner's version of I Shall Not Be Moved? Some of you know that one, so... I'm satisfied right where I'm at. I shall not be moved. By the way, this is why some people will never get inside the tabernacle. Though the Spirit draw me near, I shall not be moved. I'll sit right here and hinder those around me, but I shall not be moved. I've heard that same old message a hundred times before. They say that Christ is coming. He could be at the door. The saints will rise to meet with him in glory, but... I shall not be, think about that for a I shall not, we don't want to be that way, right? We want to be this guy who's never moved from the presence of God. Heads about eyes closed. Where are we at, Christian? Where are we at? And where do we want to be? Anybody can multitask. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And he that doeth these things will not be moved. Are you ready to wake up tomorrow morning in the presence of God? Not because you died, but because you fell asleep in his presence. That's what God wants for us, a daily walk with the Lord. See, Pastor John, as far as I can tell, I'm living in the tabernacle of my God on the holy hill. I'm, I'm, I see myself in Psalm 15. That's fantastic. But maybe you'd say, you know, Pastor, I have to be honest. Some of those things, I find it a struggle to do. I find it a struggle to be. And the reality is, Pastor, I'm not there. I'm not in the tabernacle of God right now, and I don't anticipate waking up in the morning unless something changes on the holy hill of God. Pastor, God spoke in my heart, I need to get some things taken care of. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Thank you, thank you, four, five, six, thank you. Father, God, it is good to be in your house. Teach us that. Show us that. God, help us to be willing to live out a life that keeps us there. Make us unmovable, steadfast, always abounding. And Father, we will thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. And let's stand. We're going to sing.
just as I am. The altar is open to you. You step out and do business with the Lord as he's spoken to your heart. Let him have his way, would you? kind attention. Uh, so uh, do me a favor, a couple minutes, hang around, that kind of thing. But there's play practice, and it's going to be in here. So if we can clear out and do our fellowshipping out there, that'll make it much easier for them in here to get that play practice going and done at a decent hour. Anything else I'm supposed to be announcing? Don't forget to sign up for the uh, Christmas in Wanamaker. The Lord bless you, keep you, make His face shine, up, and give you peace. God bless you. You are dismissed.